0: Afternoon, Bridge Community Church. We're so grateful that you are here at noon on Friday, on Good Friday. We just want to start with a word of prayer before our time of worship. Dear Lord Jesus, we are grateful. We are so grateful for what today represents in our lives, Lord. The focus of the cross, Lord. The focus of reconciliation, Lord. The focus of forgiveness, the focus of right standing for mankind, Lord, once and for all. We just thank you and so honor to be in your presence this morning. Be glorified, Lord, in this place. Be glorified in our hearts as we contemplate what you have done for us. In your awesome name we pray.
1: it's free Tá uh... So... Word of our testimony, everyone overcome. be he loves me he is for Jesus
2: God, we thank you for the opportunity to be together on a Friday at lunchtime. Lord, a time when we don't normally gather, but today is special. God, I pray that as we reflect on the wonder of Good Friday, you would do something significant in each one of our hearts. Lord, as we reflect on the words that you said from the cross, I pray, God, that for each one of us in this room, there would be a it is finished moment for us, where things that we've held on to and things that you've already died for would be let gone, that it could be finished. Lord, that we would capture a a, a fresh understanding, a fresh revelation of the cross. God, I thank you that I stand before people who have followed you for many, many years, some who are new in their faith, but each one of us, God, this common ground where you want to show us something new about your son. You want to show us something fresh about the cross. God, may none of this ever become ordinary for us. Today is an extraordinary day and we invite the power of the Holy Spirit to come and illuminate scripture, to open the eyes of our heart, to open our understanding. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We worship you, God. The songs that we sing, worship to you. The the contents of our heart, the way that we feel about you, God. The commitment that we've made towards you. Lord, we receive our worship, God, and receive it from the hearts that we give it. Lord, we long to know you more. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. Welcome. It is really, really good to see all of you. I, I, I know we have just a couple of times a year services like this. And, and for me, they're among the most special times that we gather. I mean, faces that we, we see often, some faces that are, are new, and we want to welcome each one of you. I want to welcome you to Good Friday, to a, a very special day. And um, when we think of Good Friday, knowing that we're going to spend some more time in Scripture reflecting on the cross... And the, the natural question, I think, for anyone is, and what is so good about Good Friday? And, and you think about what we're remembering today. If we're able to sit in and remember the magnitude of what Jesus suffered for us, then our Sunday becomes even more phenomenal. You know, Friday is essential to understand Sunday. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. Friday, we, we remember the death and the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Sunday, it's, man, it's, it's, it's we're going for it. Sunday is the celebration of his resurrection. And, uh, and I can't wait for Sunday. But, but I, I long to understand Friday even more. Amen? And so what I, I wanted to, to just share with you um, this afternoon is, some things that are, are traditionally done in a service like this. Oftentimes when, when you gather to reflect on the cross, you think about the things that Jesus said while he hung on that cross. And we're going to go through scripture and, 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 and really hear with hopefully a fresh understanding some of the things that Jesus said. And um, before we do that though, I, I want to just kind of get you there and like historically remember that what I'm talking to you about today is not a, a story that we read in a book, but it was an event that happened. It was an event that happened that is historically verified. It's an event that, had you been there 2,000 years ago, had you um, been in Jerusalem, had you been in that environment, you would have heard the crowd, you would, have, you would have touched, if you would have touched the wood and rubbed it the wrong way, you would have gotten a splinter in your finger. That's how real that it was, and, and, and it's important for us to remember that the cross is real. That his crucifixion was real. And the reason that that's so important is because it's everything. I know for me personally that when, when I understood the revelation of the cross, that, that Jesus went the distance for me and for you. It literally changed everything in my life. I, I grew up in church. I grew up being a good, pretty good church kid. And... Um, You know, and you hear the stories and you believe them and you feel the guilt in all the right times and you you promise to be better. And, you know, and you get kind of caught in a cycle that you're like, what's the deal? And maybe some of you who've been around um, these circles would understand that. But when I understood the cross, that it was a real day, that it was a day where um, God had ordained it, that God had had not only ordained it, but he had he had foretold it for. Is that is that proper English? Foretold? I don't know, it didn't sound right, but he, he, he in, in advance had let us know what would occur in the Old Testament, and this was the culmination of all things. And, and on that day, um, when I think of, of what happened, and the significance of us gathering on a, a lunchtime at 12 noon, is when we, when we look at what the sixth hour was when Jesus was crucified on the cross, it was noon, and it's not normal at noon for there to be darkness that covers the land. That there was a reaction from creation, um, the most solar of eclipses that ever occurred, where things were black, blackened, at, that, that you couldn't probably see your hand in front of your face at, at noon. That, that there was trembling, that the earth shook. And as we'll read at the, the very end of the account, there was a veil that was in a temple that separated us from God and that, 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 that veil was torn in two. And the significance of the tearing of that veil was it wasn't torn from bottom to top. It was torn from top to bottom, reminding us that all of this was God's will. And it was in order to remove any separation that we would have from his presence so that we could read in, in the New Testament things like that we are welcome to come boldly to his throne of grace without finding fault. Amen. Isn't that awesome? And so all of this Good Friday is contemplative, you know, and, and, and I don't mean to be um, in any way sarcastic when I say this, but there's a fine line between contemplative and, cre- and creepy, you know, where, where it's like dark and candles and it's a weird feeling. Contemplative is for us to, to sit back and to think about it. But the, the beauty of a, a contemplative moment like this for us is we already know the outcome, that we're, we're, we're viewing this through the reality of knowing there's a resurrected Savior, And the symbolism, some of it that you see here with the blue that has been part of our theme throughout this Easter season, is that all that God did for us, even some of the things that were confusing and hard to understand, and the same is true in your life, that all of it was for our refreshment, that there were springs of living water that are flowing through everything that God does. And so the blue is there to remind us of the resurrection that comes and the refreshment that comes through it. Um, Jesus in his final moments on this earth, experienced the worst of the worst of humanity. We've seen some stuff. I'm sure you've seen some stuff in your days. Jesus not only saw betrayal, he not only saw um, the injustice of a court system that he had to walk through and be falsely accused in multiple settings and thrown around from, from Jewish ruling authority to Roman ruling authority to people who, as we said on Palm Sunday, had been shouting out at the top of their lungs, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. Now all of a sudden, among not only the, the court system, but the people who are standing outside are, are yelling, no, give us, you know, give us Barabbas, give us the real political insurrectionist. we want you to crucify Jesus. And as we've said, it's highly likely that some among the crowd waving Hosanna, Hosanna were later saying, What? Crucify him, crucify him. He had the, the disappointment of those that were closest to him when he had asked them, Hey, I could really use your support. Would you stay up and pray with me? They were unable to bring that, that prayer. We know that he had the mental anguish of what was laying ahead for him. Um, the fact that he was in the garden wrestling with humanity and wrestling with the, the will of God over his life. Has anyone ever wrestled with the will of God over your life? That this wrestle was so deep that he was in prayer, hoping for the support of his closest friends, finding himself in such a, a state of anguish that, that, we, that we read from Scripture, he was sweating drops of blood. Not figurative speech, but literal speech literal enough to understand physiologically the amount of stress that was going on in his life, caused blood to flow from the pores that sweat would normally pour from. This was the the moment for him. And then from from that moment, he's he's carried into a, a place where he is ridiculed. He is struck with the fist. There's something to um, violence that, that the, the, the proximity of violence and what it does psychologically to a person to be struck with an object from a distance where you don't see it coming, but to be struck with a fist from close proximity has a tremendous psychological as well as physical impact. And Jesus endured it. He went on from that physical trauma to the trauma of whips that were designed to, to whip you and beat you to inches inches to death, that the cruelty of the torture of the Romans was so refined that they knew exactly how to get you to that point to just keep you hanging on. And I don't say any of this for uh, any kind of reaction other than truth and reality that we would sit back for a moment and on this Good Friday, remember what Jesus did for us so that when we hear these words that he spoke on the cross, that we hear them with, with the right context. The very first thing that that we read in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34 are, are famous words. And these words say this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There's a lot behind that, having just briefly and not even completely explained all that was happening in jesus moment as he was being crucified can you imagine as he's now hanging on the cross the cross example behind me now it's a beautiful thing now because of the victory it's a beautiful symbol of victory because it's empty but in jesus moment it it was a, a torture instrument and so as he's hanging on that cross He's speaking forth the words to the very ones who are culpable, the very ones who put him there. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Some days later, Stephen would be the first martyr, and, and, and as he was being literally martyred with stones, what does he utter? Very, very similar words of forgiveness to the ones that are, are betraying him for the truth that he spoke. And I, I thought about that for us today, that, that for us We would have a fresh understanding of what we already know here, but that maybe on Good Friday, maybe as we we, we think about the totality of this moment, that that forgiveness for us would be um, not only received, but it would also be given. That we understand of forgiveness, and Jesus was modeling it, you know that everything he did was something for us to look, look towards and say, that is what it looks like to be perfectly connected to the Father. He is our earthly model. And when he utters the words, in the midst of injustice, why do you have to forgive someone, by the way? Because they did something wrong. That's the only reason you have to forgive someone. It's not when they didn't do something wrong, it's when they did something wrong. And in that moment, he utters the words of forgiveness to them, because forgiveness Breaks the chain. Forgiveness breaks the chain. And I I couldn't help but think for us today that the chain that we all maybe are in bondage to because some of us have refused to receive the forgiveness that Jesus has already given for us with the weight of the cross. And oftentimes when we have not allowed ourselves to be forgiven of the sins that we've committed, it's very difficult for us to forgive others. Even this morning I was thinking about, and God is so faithful to bring to mind areas in our lives that are specific. He, he will specifically show us things. And I wasn't looking for it, asking for it, but in my mind came so clear somebody that I needed to forgive, a, a resentment that I was nursing. And, and, and you don't even know you're doing it sometimes. Is, am I the only one, by the way? That's starting to feel a little bad. I'm like, these are holy, holy people. But I, I, after studying this and thinking on the depths of, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's such a a freedom in just saying, yeah, I I bet you that that person who did something wrong to me, maybe they didn't even know the depths of what they were doing. It kind of puts you into a different perspective. And so maybe in terms of application, um, we would consider this verse, Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15. It's not going to be on the screen. I just want you to hear it with your heart. For if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's a good one, right? How about this one? But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your, forgo- your Father forgive you your trespasses. That one hurts a little. But it's a motivation for us to say, with the forgiveness that we've so graciously been given, so God, give us the grace to forgive others. The next thing that Jesus says is... Truly, I say to you, this is again, words from the cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 43. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know that Jesus was hung on that cruel cross with two other people who were guilty. He was innocent. They were guilty. One chose prideful mockery and sarcasm. The other chose humility. What does the Bible say about pride and humility? God Opposes the proud, but what does he do for the humble? He gives grace to the humble. And this portion of what he was saying from his last words on the cross remind us of the unfathomable grace of God. God's grace is beyond measure. Beyond measure. Think about what he's done for you. Think about the cross. And, and so for, for me, as I was considering this, it, it was a kind of put you in check on pride in your life certainly don't want to be resisted by God. Anybody else want to have that wrestling match? And so so choosing humility, choosing to remember that even in his last moments, what's recorded for all time and eternity is for us to remember that even there on the cross, there was a one who was humble, who declared who he was, who stood up for him, so to speak. And the response was, today, I'll be with you in paradise. Wow. Can you imagine the words of comfort? Is that that humble, guilty individual hung on the cross knowing, wow, the one that I believe in, I'm going to see him on the other side of this torture. The riches of God's grace know no boundaries. The next thing that, that he says, and this one I think we might need to take a little bit of time, not too much because it's lunchtime and we promised one hour. But in the ninth hour, Jesus cries with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a, maybe a popular teaching that would say it's at this moment that God turned his back on Jesus. And, and I, I would just humbly offer to you, I don't, I don't know that that's what happened in that moment. There's a moment that, that, that they would say that some would say this is where Jesus experienced that separation from the Father, where he became separate from the Father. I, I would just humbly say we got to be careful with that kind of thinking, that there would ever become a moment where the Son of God was separate from the Father. That's, that's not correct. And when, when, when we think about that for a moment and the implications of it, how many of you in this room have ever uttered very similar words, maybe in your own language, but like God, where are you in this? Like, are you not seeing me in this, God? What what is this? Why? It's that moment where Jesus, I believe, identifies with all humanity in those moments where we feel forsaken by God. And I think Jesus in his humanity felt forsaken by the Father. And he felt it on our behalf so that he can have sympathy and empathy for us when we're going through the same kinds of things.
0: God, why? Why?
2: The other interesting point about this is if you want to later reflect on Psalm 22, it's a prophetic psalm about the crucifixion. And there's some line of thinking, and there might be some merit to it. It's very interesting that there's a tradition for rabbis that when a rabbi is teaching a student, that they, that rabbi will, will drop a certain um, hint, right? And Jesus in the Gospel of John does this sort of hinting. And what I mean by that is for, you know, you ever have like an inside joke with somebody? And you can just say the word and they're like, oh, I know exactly what you're thinking. Well, this kind of inside thing from the cross, Jesus could very well have been pointing to this Psalm 22. And the reason that that's significant is the end of Psalm 22 says that all of this is going to be talked about for generations and it is God who's done it. Is it possible that in that moment, Jesus is reminding his disciples, hey, remember Psalm 22. There's another thing that he says that's very much in Psalm 22 as well. He's reassuring them, just as I think he's reassuring us today. There's those moments that we're going to feel separate from God, but we are not separate from him. Because we have two examples, very clear in Scripture. Deuteronomy 38, what does it say? I will never leave you, or what? Hebrews 13.5. I will never leave you, or? Jesus wasn't forsaken, nor are you. There is not that moment. He loves you. Nothing can separate you from his love. The fourth thing that we see that he, he writes, Jesus saw his mother and the disciple who he loved standing nearby, and he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son, and then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took his own, took her as his own home. There's some cultural things that are happening here where Jesus the the firstborn, the oldest son, is responsible for his mother's care. That's that's honorable. But there's another reminder that Jesus is a human and that Jesus is doing something at the cross that he's creating a new kind of family, a kingdom family. How many of you are so blessed to be a part of the family of God? I mean, there's something so special about it that we unify at the foot of the cross. That's where we become, uh, it's our common ground. Doesn't matter what tribe, tongue, nation, socioeconomic, background, race, whatever else, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And he institutes something brand new. I often like to say it this way, that in a group like this, why else would we all be together in one room? If we stood up and said what our background was, what our favorite hobby was, whatever else, we don't gather around that kind of stuff. But we thrive in relationship because we, we, we gather in unity around Jesus and we find such fascinating people that gather around Jesus. These are our brothers, our sisters, spiritual moms, spiritual dads. Jesus institutes this from the cross. Isn't that beautiful? I know you're saying yes in your heart. You just didn't want to say it out loud because you don't want me to get prideful. Um, the fifth thing that he says, and we're coming to the table of communion, but the fifth thing that he says is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This is so important because um, nobody took Jesus' life. Nobody took Jesus' life. Jesus gave his life on your behalf. This, All of this is so important. This service is important. The remembrance of this is so important. Because we need to remember that Jesus was faithful to God's sovereign plan as recorded in the Old Testament and in Psalms like Psalm 22, that he had a plan. And Jesus was faithful to that plan. It says in Philippians, when it speaks of Jesus, that he was obedient even to what? Death, death on the cross. And so Jesus did this as an act of his will. And that's why it can be said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sits down at the right hand of the father. He did it because he loves you. And if you believe for a moment that he did it because someone chained him and beat him and made him do it, he could have at any moment snapped his fingers. He could have at any moment uttered a word. He could have thought a word. He—he He's the creator of heaven and earth. He could have sent legions to come and rescue him. There was nothing defenseless or weak about Jesus in any of these moments. It was profound strength that kept him. And it was profound strength that he gave his life willfully for you. That's big stuff. We can never forget it. Verse, or The sixth thing that he says is found in, in John 19, 28. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, to fulfill the scripture, he said, I thirst. Two things again happening here, I believe. One, he was thirsty. His body was thirsty. But also Psalm 22 records that, that Jesus, it, it speaks of the thirst of the Messiah, And I think that Jesus was doing another one of those hints. Hey, remember, this is all part of the plan. Hang in there to his closest ones. Hang in there. You can trust me. You can trust me even beyond the grave. You can trust me. And so can we, no matter what we face. But but really, for me, the whole seven things that we hear about Jesus saying from the cross are all about the final statement. This is my favorite thing. Jesus when he received the sour wine, he said what? It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. This is a moment where it looked like for for many people, and certainly you can imagine the rejoicing of the the darkness, right? Of thinking victory, the Messiah is gone. You can think of those in, in deep deception, even religious leaders who were like, okay, mission accomplished. If you read especially in the gospel of John, how much they wanted to kill him, how, how much they were worried about his popularity, how much they were concerned that he was leading people astray into some kind of cult. For them, they were like, yes, they had their version of it is finished. Problem solved. Ends justify the means. They knew they did it in the wrong way, but ends justify the means. Jesus in that moment says, no, no, I'm the one in charge and it's finished. And what is finished is forgiveness for you. Even the ones who rejected me, even the ones who falsely accused me, even the ones who killed me, and even the ones who for time and eternity will go on to sin, those sins are now accounted for. That is amazing. And the the, the wonder of Good Friday and the wonder of what we celebrate is that, that this would be the day of preparation for the Passover, that this occurs on the preparation day that it will be fulfilled. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, perfect and spotless. And so, as I've already said, I tend to always blow my best point in the very beginning. But when he said it was finished, darkness covered the land, the earth reacted, creation was just like, yeah, it's down, it's going down. Mark records that the, the, te- the, the veil in the temple is torn in two, that the declaration was made, uh, oh, wow, this really was the Son of God. That, that, that the ones that were there guilty of doing this evil now see who this truly was. And now we, together, have the opportunity to be reminded and to see who he really is. I want to invite you to, to just take a moment And um, we're going to receive communion in a different way than maybe we normally do if you worship with us on a regular Sunday. Um, We tend to do communion communally, right? That that Jesus would have instituted this when he was with his disciples and they were having this feast. And he was like, there's going to be a new kind of feast. And this kind of feast that I do, you can do it as often as you want it. But every time you do, do it in remembrance of me. Later on there would be abuses to this feast that the church would get a little crazy with it. You know, in Corinthians you would find that they were elbowing the poor out of the way so that the rich could eat quickly and even getting drunk off the wine. This isn't real wine, it's grape juice. But, but the point is this, that, that this whole thing needed to come into a place of correction where the Apostle Paul then steps in and says, whoa, 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 remember what he did. He said we can do this as often as we want but to do it in remembrance of him and we should never do it in an unworthy manner. And, and as I... I think about this moment as, man, what a worthy moment to remember. What a worthy moment to remember because we know about Sunday. And so if you could um, just take a moment. They're going to play a song of worship. And, um, and as they play this song of worship, would you just look at your heart, just search your heart, and think about some of the things that I've already spoken. Um, think about maybe what it is that the Lord wants to show you afresh and anew on this Good Friday. And so um, I invite you, when, when you're ready, I'll give you some instructions after the end of the song to, to kind of come to the table and, um, and pick up the bread. And um, what we'll do today is we'll break that bread and we'll dip it in the, in the juice, signifying his blood, and we'll, we'll partake together. Would you guys lead us? to stand if you're able to do that in this moment. Thank you, God. I want to invite Pastor Scott and Pastor Andy. Bring Shepard on up if you want. I know I saw one of my some friends. Will, would you come and join us? Will's a pastor here in Santa Ana and saw another brother that's a pastor here at Celebration Church. Would you, would you join us, man? Would you come up? Yeah. I think we just want to represent the shepherding, that this is the role and, and all of these men shepherd people. And I, I I just wanted to include you guys. I don't know, I just saw you out there. <laughs> My friends. Lord, as we stand before you and stand before this table. Father, we wanna commit our lives to you. Father, we wanna commit ourselves to the work of the gospel. Not just those of us standing here that have been called to lead in churches, but each and every one of us who have been called by you to do both the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Lord, you modeled it for us so well on the cross and every word that was spoken is a word for us today. Now, as we apply what we've heard, God, may we be people of forgiveness, quick to forgive and quick to receive it. Quick to give it. Lord, may we be people of grace and humility. May we be people of obedience who say yes to you, knowing that the cost could mean obedience to death, even death on the cross. Could we be people that, Lord, of our lives, each and every one of us that we like the Apostle Paul are saying even now I'm being poured out like a drink offering for me to live is Christ to die is gain I've finished my race I've run well Lord that we would say the same thing and then on that great day when we see you we could say it's finished and we don't say it with defeat we say it with absolute victory as you did Jesus it is finished we thank you God Father we now, as we stand on this side of the table, Lord, we bless what you've done. We remember your body that was broken for us as we smell the, even now, the, this, the fresh baked bread. We can only imagine what it was like, Jesus, when you tore it open for the first time and said, this is my body broken for you. And as we receive communion today, Lord, I pray that we would receive it The full magnitude of understanding what you've done for us. And then as we look at this cup, Lord, we remember your blood that was shed for us, that is for the remission and forgiveness of sin. Thank you for it. I want to invite you as you're ready. There are tables also in the back, but if you'd like to come forward and just come through and Take the, take the bread and dip it, and you're welcome to partake. And we just want to stand here just to, be a, just to bless you. We, 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 this is a, not a time where we're going to talk or do anything, but you just come on through. Come on through and, and receive, and we just want to, as pastors, just be blessing you as you come. So someone, just get us started, and they'll continue to play the song. And, and, then, and I want to ask this one thing. After you receive, just pause for a moment, because we have one more thing we want to do all together in the end. Amen? Amen. Whoever's ready, come, let's begin to partake together. That there are some of us that, that have the elements in our hands some that have already partaken, that's fine either way but together let's, let's remember what Jesus has done let's celebrate the victory of the cross let's look at this communion time through the lenses of resurrection again Jesus thank you for your blood shed for us, thank you for your body broken for us let's eat together Our, our service together. And the moments that we have remaining, a good friend of mine sent me an audio clip of probably one of the best preaching moments in modern history. It's a moment where the pastor coins the phrase, Friday's here, but Sunday's coming. And I listened to it, and it lifted my spirit, and, you know, I thought, I want to put that on the screen and we can read it. And I thought, no, nah, I want you to hear it. I want you to hear these words through the one who who spoke it. And so I'd invite you, if you'd like to have a seat, to have a seat. And just to stay in an atmosphere of worship, because we are seeing this moment through the lenses of Sunday. If you could play that clip.
3: It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sunday's come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping his body's stumbling, and his spirit's burden. But you see, it's only Friday, Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the world's winning, people are sinning, and evil's grinning. It's Friday, the soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved but they don't know it's only Friday Sunday's coming it's Friday he's hanging on the cross feeling forsaken by his father left alone and done can nobody save him oh it's Friday but Sunday's coming It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, my king yields his spirit. It's Friday, hope is lost, death has won, sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried, a soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place, but it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a conference.
2: Well, I wanna thank you all for joining us. We're gonna have one last song of worship to end our time. Um, It's Friday, Sunday's coming, amen. God bless you all.
0: lord jesus you are good to us and we honor you thank you lord and we praise your name and sunday is coming lord and we thank you so much for that blessing and that promise in your awesome name we pray let's go with you whether it's back to our workplaces or whether it's wherever it is with our families or whatnot just go with us lord in your awesome name we pray amen
2: As you're heading out, for those of you that would like to, we have an interactive prayer time. Um, if you have more time in your day, if you go back to our fellowship hall, there are several different stations there that you can take your time through each station and just reflect on the wonder of the cross. So if you'd like to, that's available to you. God bless you again.